Well, this morning we're going to continue this series that we've been walking through for uh, about eight weeks now called The Christian Atheist. Now, I'm going to ask you just, like, just pretend you just watched a really powerful intro video because we've been having some media uh, tech issues. Just to get the words on the screen for songs was pretty awesome this morning. So just pretend you saw something really powerful right there that really just prompts you and set you up to hear the word of God. Um, you have that feeling? Hey, question for you. What in life are you pursuing? Like, what in life do you spend a lot of your energy, your time, maybe your money pursuing? You know what pursuing is? Like, I mean, you're after that thing. Now, I shared with you a few weeks ago about my pursuing of my wife, 20 plus, 22 plus years ago, you know, pursuing her thinking of opportunities where we might be in the same location and say the right things. And when I gave her the first little gift, you know, buy the right thing to have this kind of hidden message that said, hey, I'm interested. Uh, all this kind of, I mean, that is all pursuing is what, that worked out pretty well. And uh, we're 22 years married, so that worked out nice. In 1992, like, I remember pursuing the full collection of the McDonald's Dream Team Olympic cards that McDonald's was handing out when you bought certain uh, Sutton Burgers. Now, some of you my age, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And I wore that drive through out in college to try to get the little pack of cards so I could have them all, right? Now, today, what would we do? We would just go on eBay or Amazon. We'd order the full collection. But you couldn't do that back in 92. You had to go through that McDonald's drive through to get that. I was in pursuit of that. Sometimes I wake up on, on Tuesday mornings, and I'm like, Taco Tuesday. I'm in the pursuit of tacos on Taco Tuesday. In fact, uh, you may not know this, but when uh, Cherie was pregnant with James, uh, we actually lived out in Wilmore, Kentucky, this little town in the middle of nowhere, 4,000 people. And you had to drive to places if you wanted to have a restaurant or those, you know, shop or those type of things. There was not, nothing really in town. And so Cherie would have these cravings for Mexican food. And it was Fiesta Mexico was the option in Nicholasville, which was the closest town. And so we'd have to get in the car and drive, you know, 10 miles across the country. And those cravings always came about 8.30 at night, you know, and uh, it closed about 9.30. So we were in pursuit of eliminating those cravings or, or however, whatever you call it. Um, and uh, it worked out nice for me, too, because I got to eat uh, another dinner. What are you pursuing? Like, what do you pursue in life. Can I just tell you that rarely do we find the best things in life without pursuit. And rarely do the best things of life come without pursuit. I mean, think about it. if you are happily married here and you're, you like look and say the most significant person is my spouse in my life. You didn't just walk down the street, accidentally bump into somebody and say, hey, uh, I'm Tom. You want to get married? Yeah, let's do it. Next Saturday work? Perfect. <laughs> there was some pursuit of that. In fact, if you've been married a while and you would say, you know, we have a good marriage, you would look back on that marriage and you would say, you know we have, why we have a good marriage? We've been working on it. We've been pursuing a good marriage. We've had these little moments where we went in and out of situations where we worked on good, healthy marriage during those situations because you wanted to pursue that. Parents, think about this morning. If your kids are doing really well, right? I mean, maybe this morning you would say, you know what? I've never done anything with my kids, and they're you know, straight-A students, and they're wonderful human beings, and they're just knocking out of the park in all areas of life. I've never done anything in their life. You know, you know that's not true. That never happens that way, right? 
When we see kids flourish, it is because you have intentionally pursued that with your kids. Or you would say, I have a great relationship with my kid. You know, my son's 27 now, not mine, but maybe yours. And I have a great relationship. You pursued that. You worked on that. Because rarely do we find the best things in life without pursuit. Can I tell you, especially believers, the same is true of God. The same is true in Christianity, with your walk with God. The best thing about your walk, the best thing in life, this relationship with God, comes by pursuit. We pursue it. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Because the Christian atheist believes in God, but doesn't pursue God. The Christian atheist has locked into a really good theological standing. They believe. They probably get to church pretty regularly. But there's no real pursuit of God. There's not like this desire to know God, to get to know him deeper, to know more about him. There's not even this pursuit to say, God, now what do you want to do in my life? Is there something you want to change? Do you want to empower me in some way? Because a Christian atheist believes in God, but there's no pursuit. And the best things in life, your walk with the Lord, you rarely find it without pursuit. So we're going to ask the question this morning, how do I pursue God? If you got in here and you didn't get sermon notes and you'd like to fill those out, uh, feel free to slip up your hand. Pastor Anson will come and he'll give you one. And, and uh, obviously these are great to helping you kind of follow along through uh, you know, the next two-hour sermon. But uh, maybe they're even better to take home and have with you as part of your devotion times this week. So uh, slip up your hand if you want one of those or just work through it. Here's the overarching verse, Psalm chapter 63, verse 8. I stay close to you, God, and your powerful arm supports me. The writer there is saying, look, I stay close to you. I pursue you. I stay near you, God. I learn more about you, God. And guess what I get? I get your powerful support. I get you right there in the corner with me, empowering my life. And so this morning, that's the overarching theme. Our desire this morning is, I'd love to send you out, as we did the first service, a small church here on Joy Drive. I would love to send you out energized, invigorated by the idea of pursuing God with your every day. So how do I pursue God? Take a look at your notes this morning. First is this. It's understanding God is pursuing you. That's so important. To understand God is pursuing you. We often say it in these terms in the church world. We say God loves you. Did you know that? We God loves you deeply. In fact, we try to say it in so many different ways when we sing our, our worship songs. And if you look through worship songs, because the theme of God loving us is so dominant, and we don't always just want to say God loves you, God loves you, but we come up with incredibly creative ways to try to articulate that God loves you. And so I want to reiterate that, that we mean that. God loves you. In fact, if you're familiar with the Jesus movement of the late 60s and early 70s, you might remember that the dominant theme of the Jesus movement was God loves you no matter what. No matter what you've done, God loves you. He wants to be near you. Now, how did that come out? That actually came out of about 50 years of legalism in the church. That's how the Jesus movement uh, exploded on the scene. You see, in the late 1800s, the holiness movement was so powerful and so strong, and, and it was like, and described as the Holy Spirit was just let loose on the nation. 
And we had just such spiritual revival in the late 1800s in our nation. But as we do sometimes, we start to truly try to organize things and structure things. And at some point in time, that structure led to a little bit of a legalistic approach in the church world. Not totally, but in many of, the, of our churches. And so this Jesus movement was this fresh, refreshing of God being let loose and understood that God loves us. He wants to empower us. He wants to be close to us. And it's relational. It's not behavioral at its nature. God transforms us, but we don't start behavior. We start relationally. And so this came out in this theme of love. We've heard that now. That has been preached and shared for the last 35 to 40 years, this theme of love. It is almost like this embracing, like we got it, to where the pendulum has swung a little bit over to where we think about, well, God loves me. God loves me no matter what, no matter who I am. And it's true. But God says, I want more than that for you. I don't just want you to understand your love. I want you to understand you're loved I want to build into your life, transform who you are, and lead you to the person I've designed you to be. This idea of pursuing leads us there. It's not just God is loving. It's God is pursuing you. His love is what causes him to do it. But he's pursuing to be close to you. Do you understand that Christianity is relational? It's relational with God. It's personal with God. In fact, when we call you into a personal relationship, into a relationship with God, did you know that the body of Christ can't do that for you? We can be a blessing to you. We can be close to you. We can be a community to you. But it's your relationship with God that is the core of what we lead you to. Because God is pursuing you. We actually have a term for it. It's called provenient grace. It's, it's this grace that precedes the human decision. Before you make a decision to follow God, to know that he is pursuing you and following after you, wanting to make himself known to you. So your response would be, wow, this is amazing who he is. And then we would respond to him. That leads us to the second thing. When we understand God is pursuing us, we respond by pursuing God, pursuing him back. That's a powerful thing to understand, that, that I can pursue God. That it's not just I sit back and I understand that he loves me, and once I have that understanding of his love and his grace, that I'm done. But that gives me now the platform to say, now I want to keep pursuing him and learning more and more about who he is. Moses shows us this in the book of Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. If it's true that you look favorably on me, that you're pursuing me. Let me know your way so that I may understand you more fully. I want to pursue you because you have pursued me is what Moses is saying. Can I just share what God's been doing in my life the last few weeks? Is I, We were actually having a discussion, Pastor Anson and I, we were having a discussion about the church, about you, and uh, about us and, and everything. And where we went with that conversation was, and I think it was Pastor Anson that said it first, was just... Think about what it would be like, even in a, a small church on a small street. Like if, if we were empowered to go out and pursue God passionately, if there was a desire to pursue God. Last week we talked about uh, the church and the church mattering. We even talked about church attendance last week, being in church regularly. 
Now, remember I said, if, if I'm breathing, should I be in church? I said, absolutely, right? But no, ultimately, our desire is to encourage you to pursue God. And we think being in church will take care of itself. We think serving in your community will take care of itself. We think being a blessing to other people will take care of itself if you're pursuing God. It's actually possible to be in church, to serve others, to serve in your community, and not be pursuing God. Our starting point, as Pastor Ernest and I talked, was to pursue God. So here's what I did. I went away, and you know what I was thinking? Well, Tom, you've, you've been a pastor for 20 years. Now you've been here for almost eight years at Wendover Hills in a senior pastor role. Um, we've set up some really good structures and, 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 and programs, and, and we've set up some really good at the heart of who we are as a church and what we're going to be about. And it was almost as if God said this, Tom, don't mistake preaching on Sunday and carrying a role on Sunday. Don't mistake leading the Bible studies. Don't, mis don't mistake being in your office, you know, Monday through Thursday, planning and structuring and whatever we do. Don't mistake that as pursuing me. It's as if God would say, you, it's very easy in the pastoral world, Tom. It's very easy for you, somebody who's been in it 20 years, to get filled up and roll through the pattern of the pastoral life and not really be pursuing me. I thought, man, that's, that's impactful. About an hour after I talked to Pastor Anson, I went to the store for some resources and found a book, wouldn't you know, right as I walked in, The Pursuit of God. Grabbed that book, read it up, and my, my staff and board are already, already kind of sick of me talking about it because I made them read it too. The Pursuit of God. Because the pursuit of God is so important. Without it, we, we don't really have a lot in our Christian life if we're not pursuing God. So we respond by pursuing God. Here's the great paradox of Christianity is that I found God, and yet I still pursue him. Uh, do you understand that? why that sounds a little weird? That I have found God. We talk about Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He has found me, yet I still pursue God even after I found him. What do we mean by that? Because if I, if I lose my keys uh, and I find my keys, I'm done looking, right? I don't keep searching for my keys. Tom, you have in your hand, yet I still need to search. You know, we, that would make no sense. But in our Christian life, we would say, I found God. But I'm still pursuing him. Because there's so much more to know about God. There's so much more that he's called you to. Listen, the most dangerous place, and this maybe this applies to you, the most dangerous place is if you're sitting in the church and you're like, I've been in the church a long time. Or I've been in the church all my life. It's the most dangerous place. Why? Because it's so easy. It's so easy to sink into this mode where I don't really need to be pursuing God. I found it. I've got a great testimony. Let me tell you about youth camp. Let me tell you about that time when I said yes to Jesus. But we got to keep pursuing in fact, the church world is filled with Christians who no longer pursue God. Pursuing leads us to this next one. Look at number three. We've got to let God manifest himself in us. I let God manifest himself. Now, really, how many of you, like, use the word manifest regularly when you're walking around, you know? To, you know, I love you this, this, you know... Food manifests itself in my belly. You know? I mean, we don't say things like that. Um, I, I think the only time I ever hear it is somebody says like a flight manifest. 
Uh, is that right? Is that even the right term? Yeah, yeah. List the names, right? So you never say manifest that much, right? So what do we mean? Because we sing about it sometimes. Even our current praise songs don't say it as much as, as they used to say it. So what do we mean? When manifest, we mean this, to display or show by one's acts or appearance. What we're saying is that I'm showing or I'm being, and you see through how I act or how I appear, that something is manifesting itself in me. Now, some of you parents, like, I, I go down the hall or I see your kids, and I almost think like you have these lessons at night where you teach your kids how to tilt their head, you know, or how to smack their lips, or something like that, because I see them and I see you, and I'm like, man, that's like identical. You do the same thing that your mom does, or the same thing that your dad does, you know? It's amazing. What's happening? Like, your kid is with you so much, you are actually manifesting yourself in your kid, and it's coming out. Just think about how beautiful it is when we let God manifest himself. You're not teaching your kid how to tilt their head, right? Your kid is spending time with you. Man, can you imagine the time we spent with God? If we didn't even recognize it was happening and God was manifesting itself and we're like, man, I behave different. I think different. I do things different. Like my, what's important to me is different now. I pursued those kind of things all my life and what I pursue is so different. Why? Because God is manifesting itself, himself in us. And that's powerful. How amazing it would be. It's actually possible to say, I understand God is pursuing me. And in my head to say, I am going to pursue him. I want to pursue him. I need to pursue him. And, let, and yet not ever let him really manifest himself in me. And so change never comes. Empowerment never comes. And we're left with many, many Christians saying, it just seems like there should be more to this. It seems like there should be more. Take a look at this passage in Psalm. It leads us into a thought. Psalm 139, verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit. Some of your translations say presence. I can never get away from your presence. And, and so the writer is basically saying that like, wherever I go, I am in the presence of God. Like, sometimes we come into the church building and we actually speak about God's presence is greater here than anywhere else. Theologically not accurate. If you read God's word, God's presence is just as powerful, get this, just as powerful and real right here as it is down the street with strip joint. God's presence is everywhere. But God's not allowed to be manifest in all of us. Like when we engage with his presence, when we recognize God is here, God, now I invite you to work in me. I invite you to speak to me. I invite you to engage with me in your presence so I know more about you. That is God manifesting himself and his presence becomes real. Why? It becomes relational. It becomes relational. Take a look at this quote from Tozer. The presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be one without the other. God is here when we're wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. Meaning that there are times that we can actually be in God's presence where God is begging to interact with us and he's waiting in vain, just waiting for us to invite himself. And we don't do it. And his presence was there the whole time. But when we invite him in, 
when we invite him to manifest himself, to make himself known in my life, he does something. And it's, it's, it's powerful. Sometimes you go to a concert or you hear Christian music happen or you go to a church service and somebody will go away and they will describe it as this, man, the Holy Spirit really fell this morning. Man, the presence of God was just thick this morning. Those are all okay terms to kind of describe something special happened, but none of them are theologically accurate. God's presence was the same there as it was the week before. It doesn't matter. It was the same. But there was something about God's people that day that said, we invite you, God. We invite your presence to, to relate with us, to manifest itself within us. Today, I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to respond to it. Can I just tell you right now before we finish this thing up? God is here. He's speaking. He's speaking a word direct to you. It could be the very words that I'm saying, or he could be going off script and speaking something totally different to you. Your job this morning, and your choice, I should say, is what are you going to do about it? Will you receive what he's speaking to you about this morning? Or will you just understand theologically his presence was there, but, you know, I'm off to lunch now. Let him manifest himself. It's a beautiful little passage. I love this. Psalm chapter 27, verse 8. If you need to remember this one and this, this issue of manifestation, memorize this one. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. I can't imagine God just saying, come and talk with me. And here's the response. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. For some of you, you don't even need to go any further. You don't need to hear anything else in the sermon this morning. Your understanding of pursuing God just is wrapped up in that verse, and you need, to, you need to just claim that verse and let your heart cry out and say, God, God is already saying, come and talk to me. And your response needs to be, Lord, I'm coming right now. Normally, I'm not coming. Normally, it's kind of like when we say, hey, I'm on my way, but we haven't even began to get our stuff together at the house. You know, That's not really on your way, by the way, you know. In the car head, that's on. It doesn't matter. But telling God, Lord, I'm coming. I'm on my way, Lord, because you're talking. These are powerful things. Understanding that God's pursuing you, we respond by pursuing God, and then we actually, don't we, we don't just say, you know, like, I'm going to pursue you. We let God actually manifest himself. We invite his spirit into our life and to hear from him. This last one is a caution, though. Because all of those things can happen, but there can be a danger zone if we allow it to be. This final thing is a caution for us. Beware of the self-led Christianity. Notice I put that in quotes this morning, uh, that Christianity. There's really no such thing as self-led Christianity. Real Christianity is letting God, letting God be on the throne and I'm surrendered before him. But there's a danger, especially in our, in our contemporary Christianity world, that what we do is we get just enough of this Christian stuff so we can say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I go to this church, you know, I do this type of thing. But we have invited and still allowed the self to be not only active, but the self to be on the throne. So it's very possible at times to say, you know, I understand God is pursuing me. I'm going to want to pursue him. And I'm going to jump out and do the things that, do the things that I, I would do to pursue him. But I keep inviting self along. It's like this. Like, I'm inviting God over, and God, here's self, and would you advise self? 
Like, would you speak into self? Would you offer self some, some opinion on the issue and maybe some research on the issue? Maybe share a Bible verse or two that would be impactful for the self. But then leave the self to figure it out, if you would. You know, I trust myself. You know, self will figure it out. They'll find a way. That's a danger. And it'll kill pursuit of God. It'll kill it. We'll have these short, sustained pursuits that go nowhere. If you've ever been to, to youth camp, youth camps are fabulous. Um, in fact, if you've never been to youth or kids camp, you know, you should go one year. You should volunteer to serve one year. And if you're like, that freaks me out. You know, volunteer just to go a day and serve in like a craft booth or something. You know, do something at kids camp. Because here's what happens is kids get down to these Retreats, and I did it for uh, 12 years or so with, with youth, teenagers. And they get stripped away from all this stuff. I mean, the cell phones go away back in my day. It was our Game Boys, you know, that we, that we put away. And you didn't have that that week. Or sometimes the Walkmans, you know, that's what we had back in my days. So don't say what. You know exactly what those are. So, yeah, I mean, we, we couldn't take all that kind of stuff, right? You know, I mean, it's the first time I'm like being made to listen to Keith Green down at youth camp because they only allow Christian music. And I'm like, ooh, it's this joker, you know, uh, and I love it now. But everything gets stripped away, right? And over the course of that week that I'm at camp and all of these things that often keep self very high in my life, th those aren't there. And the opportunity for God's presence to interact with me is powerful. We see it every year with our teens. It's amazing how many teens would say, I came to know Jesus at this camp. This is where it started for me because God's presence was allowed to interact in our lives. If you've not ever experienced that, I don't care how old you are, get on a youth team and experience it. But here's what happens, unfortunately, is they get back and immediately, if we're not careful, all of those devices, all of those self things, and it's not just devices, but all of these things that consume self, they're introduced immediately back in. And it's so easy just to elevate self right in the middle of Christianity, thinking that the two will survive just fine. God here on the throne and myself kind of, I don't know, scooching their butt onto the throne too. Eventually self wins out. So beware of this self-led Christianity. There's just no place for it if we want to keep pursuing God. Listen to the passage from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. What's the reference there? The reference is, is the veil, the crucifixion of Christ. If you remember, this veil that covered the Holy of Holies, and, and you, know, you didn't go in that area. Priests went in at a, a certain time of the year, the high priest, a certain time of the year. And even when they went in, you know, they went in with the rope tied around their leg because if they fell dead in the presence of God, I'm not going in there after him. You know, we'll just drag him out. You know, that's what happened. And what happened at the day of crucifixion? The veil was torn. It's as if God is saying, look, my, my, my presence is everywhere for everyone, unleashed everywhere. You don't have to go into a holy, holy at a certain time of the year. You can interact with my presence everywhere. Do you know what self does? Self comes along and it takes the torn veil and it starts sewing it back up. Keeping God here. I'll come visit you when I can, when I can get here. Certain times, certain occasions. 
But self leads most of the other time. And so God's presence, though it's everywhere, it's almost like it's holed up, allowing to interact with God's presence. To beware of the self-led, continual surrender before God, the self. What's the takeaway this morning? It's a question. We've asked it already, really, but let me say it again. Am I pursuing God? Are you pursuing him? You're pursuing God, or is it something that somewhere along the way it just kind of fell off? Somewhere along the way, really interacting with God's Word and learning who He is fell off. Somewhere along the way, crying out like we read in the Psalms, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, reveal it to me so I can deal with it. Those kind of prayers just fell off entirely. The longing to be with God, the longing to learn more about who He is, the longing to have Him transform us our lives. What's your pursuing like? What does it look like? Here's the final question. These blanks are all for you. In what ways will I begin to pursue God? In what ways will I begin, begin to start pursuing God? Can I just tell you, like we said at the beginning, rarely do we find the best things in life without the pursuit. That it takes an intentional pursuit. We don't want a legalistic pursuit. We want this heart's desire to follow God. Maybe for you, if you're never in God's word, this idea of opening up and actually spending time hearing from God. What does he have to say? Who is Jesus? What do the gospels have to say? And reading. Maybe you're a family and you're a mom or dad and you're like, I, I, we need to do a better job with the family in that. First of all, put away any guilt that you're feeling. That the guilt has no place on this. This is just an invitation. Parents, how about you leave here today and instead of hitting the, the lunch or whatever you're going to do, if you go right and say, hey, kids or spouse or whoever's in your family, whoever you want to talk to, hey, what do you think about the, the message this morning? Not, oh, you know, Tom, he delivers pretty well. He's kind of funny sometimes. You know, he dresses so sharp. Um, <laughs> not that type of evaluation. But what about the points? What about our pursuit? And engage and talk about that kind of thing. Like, parents, don't pick up your kids this morning and say, did you have fun at class? Ask them, tell me the story you learned. What's that story about? Wow. No? That type of stuff. In what ways are you going to begin to pursue God? There's so many ways to pursue God. You might be sitting here this morning and go, like, I like reading the Bible. I go to the Bible studies. But the truth of the matter is, I never serve anyone. I mean, like, I gave a quarter to somebody at Aldi's. You know, great. But you never, you never really serve. You never, like, give of your time. And God's saying, I can really manifest myself in you. I could really, really be part of your pursuit if you'd serve. However, however the Lord's speaking to you, write that in. Here's what I'd like to do as we finish off. My whole goal is that this morning, your thought is, how do I pursue God? How do I invite God's presence into my life and it manifests itself in my life. I don't want to just live in and around it. I want to be right there in it. And so I want to pray for you. And during this time of prayer, and then the praise team is going to come and lead us, I want to just ask that you would just give full freedom to God to speak to you however he wants. And then I want to ask that you would respond however you would like. Uh, granted, we're not uh, uh, too crazy of an expressional church. We're not running aisles and stuff. But you've got the freedom to worship and respond however you want this morning. 
If you want to come to the altar, if you want to stand where you're at and lift your hands however you want, I'm going to make sure this morning that I encourage you to be energized and reinvigorated with the idea of pursuing God in your life. And so use this prayer time. This is how your prayer might start if you're honest with God. Your prayer might start, God, you know I'm not pursuing you at all. And I'm going to start doing that. And then just let God take it from there. Whatever else prayer you might have, let's just go and let's just spend time with God. He's been doing a work in my life on this. I really believe he probably wants to do a work in yours as well. Would you bow and let me pray for you? So, Father, this morning, even in a church this size, I believe that you're speaking to some hearts. I believe it. I mean, what impact would we make on our world if first we stopped and said, we are going to pursue you, God. We're going to pursue you. We're going to get to know who you are. We're going to understand more about you, and then we're going to understand more how to invite your presence into our life. How to let you manifest yourself in us. To work on our, our acts and our appearance what we do and what we value because of our time with you. And so, Lord, right now, I just want to ask that you would lead every single heart in here. Why go out today and not have a pursuit with the Lord? Nothing gained. So, Lord, this morning, I pray you would lead us in this prayer. Every voice that's raised, that you would receive it, And every person that's inviting you, Lord, that that would put a smile on your face. So that would give you time. Go before God. However he's impacted you this morning. This is your time.